Hey everybody and welcome to the College Sports Journal Podcast. I'm your host for today, Ben Schleiger. This is our very first podcast episode, so if you don't know much about us, go ahead and visit us at thecollegesportsjournal.com. What we cover is FCS and FBS football, as well as Division I basketball and Division I wrestling. We're made up of a mix of journalists, analysts, and fans, all covering these sports, and we come from a variety of different universities, including James Madison, North Dakota State, Appalachian State, Lehigh University, and Northern Colorado. We cover the bread and butter, stats, previews, recaps. We do that. We also do editorials on what our staff's professional opinion are on a host of numerous different opinions and different hot topics in the, in the college sports world. One of our most recent articles is we have a roundtable debate on what it's going to take to reopen college sports in the fall. Go ahead and visit that at collegesportsjournal.com and let us know what you think. We're all about feedback here. This is our first podcast, so let us know what you like, let us know what you don't like. Also, if there's articles online, don't be afraid to share, comment, let us know what we can improve on. Today in our first episode, we're going to talk about the NFL Draft but we're going to talk about it from an FCS perspective. So we're going to cover who got drafted, was it good value for what, where they got drafted at, who was missed, who signed free agent contracts, who didn't even sign a contract at all. We'll also cover who got picked up in the Canadian Football League draft. As other writers come onto the podcast, I'll have them introduce themselves at that time. But a little bit more about me. I'm Ben Schleiger. I'm an alumni of the University of Northern Colorado. As for my newspaper and reporting experience, I've done high school sports reporting for the Johnstown Breeze, and I've done college sports reporting for the UNC Mirror. I was the lead sports reporter and managing sports editor for my senior year. I also served on the board of directors for the three years as a student representative. That's a little bit more about me, and while we decide what our podcast theme song is going to be. We're going to start off with the fight song for the University of Northern Colorado. I'll see you back after the fight song. first episode of the College Sports Journal podcast. Hey everybody and welcome back. Today we're going to look at the NFL draft from an FCS perspective. The FCS is the football championship subdivision for anybody who doesn't know. It's the highest level of college football 
that still plays a traditional playoff for the FCS each year. It's a 2014 playoff, unlike the FBS where they label it a playoff, but really it's the best of the four, um, and it's only two games. FCS, it's much more of a drawn-out process. It's much more of an earn-it type, type of league. Um, while looking at it's still Division One football, a lot of the time it gets a bad rap just because it's a division lower. Um, oftentimes you can see other fans saying, oh, they're Division Two football, they're not that good. Well, that's all opinions because it's still Division One football, that's a fact, and there's a lot of talent that comes out of it. You can see alumni from the FCS like Tariq Cohen, Darius Leonard, you know, big-time players who are big-time playmakers. Whether or not they get the chance all depends on draft day and whether they make the cut at the end of August. This was a record low for the FCS this year. Since the FCS has been branded as such, the lowest amount of picks taken was 13. This year dropped off significantly. There was only six players taken as draft picks. We had Jeremy Chin, safety out of Southern Illinois, Adam Troutman, tight end out of Dayton, Isaiah Coulter, receiver out of Rhode Island, Lachavia Simmons, offensive guard out of Tennessee State, Ben DiNucci, quarterback out of James Madison, and Derek Tuzka, defensive end out of North Dakota State. Again, apologies if there's any names I mispronounce. I'll do my best. Really do try, but pronunciations are not my favorite. Overall, out of these six picks, these are good picks. Um, Lechavia Simmons does a little bit of a Cinderella moment for the FCS, other than just the first pick actually coming off the board. That was one of those ones not a lot of people saw coming. Overall, the FCS players that got drafted, they all deserved it. But there were some that may have deserved to be taken, and power players from other teams got picked up. And what I mean by that is kind of the theme from an FCS standpoint is GMs, coaches, scouts, whoever it was that was making the grading, putting the value on the FCS players, um, whether it was too safe, whether they didn't see enough, whether they thought the competition they went against just wasn't high enough quality. There was either a lot of safe or a lot of scared picks made by GMs. And kind of the message that was sent to the FCS on draft day is that teams were more willing to reach for mediocre players from power teams in the FBS rather than award finalist players from the FCS. Too many FCS analysts and experts and just fans in general, this didn't make sense to us. Um, there's a lot of players that have a lot of talent. Sure, they come from a, a division lower, if you want to put it that way. But the fact of the matter is, is there's very talented players that got missed. Thankfully, some of them got picked up with free agent contracts, um, but not all of them did. And with this uncertainty of whether the season's going to start on time or not due to the pandemic, um, a lot of those 
players who would usually get a, a camp invite um, to try to prove themselves in training camp, that might not be as much of a thing this year, especially since things have to be so locked down. Players who got the free agent contract, that might be the new training camp invite this year. Um, obviously, anybody, even a, even a lower round draft pick, isn't safe. Um, you got to do everything you can to make the team no matter what. But this might have just shut the door on anybody who did not get a free agent contract. Now we, we could see developments in the coming weeks. Um, the NFL schedule is released just recently. Um, so we could see an improvement on that. But FCS product products, players, they may be kind of in the lurch this year. It might be kind of a, a transitional year, and they may have to look at proving themselves for next year's camp invites. We'll just have to see how that pans out. Looking at the players that did get drafted, um, all of them deserved it, and all of them ended up in relatively good places for them to compete and try to have an actual chance at making the team. Jeremy Chin was the first one taken. He was taken in round two, 64th overall. Uh, he's a big safety. He's 6'3", 221. That's a, a nice physical size. Um, he totaled up 243 tackles and 13 interceptions over his career. Really a talented individual, and the coaching staff there seemed to like him. Um, when interviewed, they said that he was a positionless player. Five years ago, that might have been an insult of, hey, you've got great athletic talent, but we don't know where to put you because you just don't you don't quite fit where we want you. Um, this could actually be a huge advantage because positionless has been almost a compliment in recent years. With him being 6'3", 221, um, there's speculation on whether he's going to play safety, whether he's going to play outside linebacker. Honestly, what Carolina wants to do with him could be a number of things. Um, they decide on playbook and scheme. He could play safety. He could play outside linebacker that size still, maybe a little bit undersized, um, but he could play that for some pass coverage type scheme. And uh, as physical as he is, he could even come in on the edge to be uh, a blitzing safety per se. Um, but all three of those positions, no matter what, that really could be a huge advantage to him. And I think the Carolina Panthers are really going to like him and really use him as a versatile player on defense. The FCS had to wait a little bit longer than they wanted to to see their next pick. The New Orleans Saints took Adam Troutman in the third round at 105th overall. At 6'5", 255, that's a great size for tight ends. Um, he's really going to be um, he's going to be a threat down there if he's able to make it onto the starting roster. With 31 career touchdowns at Dayton, that sets him up well, um, stats-wise. And Sean Payton was interviewed. And, of course, most of the interview was about Sean Payton recovering from Corona. Love to hear it. Love to hear improvement, recovery stories. That's great. Um, Troutman got a little bit overshadowed in that interview, though. And there's a lot of potential for him there. With tight end being a huge need, he could fill a role and he could impress some people who might have underestimated him a little bit so um, they sound 
they sounded ecstatic to get him where he did because NFL analysts rarely ever say, wow, um, that player is dropping and that player just happens to be an FCS product. Um, depending what draft board you looked at, Troutman was somewhere between 1 to 3 on the tight end positional rankings. And looking at that, there was a couple teams that passed him in the five or six picks before, and some of the NFL analysts actually said, wow, they, you know, didn't pick up Troutman. That's kind of a surprise to me. He could fit well for them. Um, that was kind of the first indication, oh, this might not go the FCS way. Uh, third round, obviously, that's that's pretty early on for the FCS to get worried, but it was kind of an indication of that whole mentality of pick, of pick the mediocre power player over the FCS standout. Of course, there were some superstars from the Division Two and Division Three that got picked up, such as Kyle Duggar. He got picked up very early. Great for him. But again, even from Division Two and Division Three, only the superstars, and I'm not saying all of this, the players from the FCS were superstars, but definitely high-quality players, but it seemed only the lower division superstars were going to get any shot of getting drafted on draft day. The next pick that came along was Isaiah Coulter. He went to the Texans in round five at the 171st pick. At 6'2", 198, he's got a lot of speed, especially for being a guy that tall. And this is the first pick since 1986 for Rhode Island. So there you go, Rhode Island. There's a there's a good little tally for you. Um, this could be big. DeAndre Hopkins with that trade to the Cardinals and no one really understanding what Bill O'Brien was thinking there. Um, Isaiah Coulter, he could get some reps in. Maybe not a starting position receiver, but with that need to fill the passing game attack, Isaiah Coulter could see some time at slot receiver, potentially maybe receiver four for some spread uh, formations. He's got the talent to make the team. It's was it's just going to be one of those competition things. Um, does he have enough in the tank to last through training camp to make enough of an impression on the coaching staff? I think it's definitely possible, but it's going to be one of those prove-it moments where, hey, you're the little guy. You know you're in the underdog right now. You know, come out and fight. Show him you're not the underdog. Show him you're the favorite. So good for him. Good for the Texans. Um, but bad for the FCS because, again, it was another long wait. And seventh round came around. And FCS experts were on Twitter really just kind of baffled at this point. Like, wow, there's more kickers and more special teams players taken than FCS products at this point. That was kind of a shocker and, and not even necessarily the top ranked um, kickers and special team players. So if there was ever a slap in the face of uh, a kicker getting more respect than a lower division product, well, there you have it, folks. We got slapped four times to three. As uh, I think at that point in the draft, there's four special team players and three FCS products. Uh, the seventh round bailed out the FCS as far as it could. Um, we got to six picks, but you know it was it was just barely as the Broncos um, they got us to six at the second to last pick. 
Um, so Chicago Bears, excuse me, uh, in round seven, picked 227 overall, picked up Lachavius Simmons. Tennessee State has really done a great job at getting offensive linemen to the pro level. This is their fifth uh, player drafted since 2014. So good for them. That's great. Um, Lachavius Simmons, big dude, 6'5", 3'15". The Bears really need any and all help at offensive line. Not that it's, you know, bottom of the barrel, but it's definitely not protecting Turbinski or whoever ends up at quarterback the best it should. Um, With Simmons in there, you know, definitely that's a big guy to move. Um, The only worry there would be is he agile enough to make kind of those those pulling guards on those run plays where the guard pulls. Um, is he going to be agile enough to fit that scheme, or is he going to be pass block only? Other than that, um, he should have a pretty solid chance at getting the backup role at least. If not, probably filling in for some um, some tired starters, or if there's any injuries, God forbid, um, he definitely will get some playing time. One of the most controversial or interesting picks, however you want to put it, came a few picks later to the Dallas Cowboys. Round 7, 231 overall, Ben DiNucci of the JMU Dukes. He got drafted. Um, this guy's got a an accurate arm and he shows good movement, but he's, he's not going to start there. Sorry to kill any uh, JMU fans' hopes and dreams. Um, but uh, even if Dak gets hurt, they signed Andy Dalton a few days ago. So Dallas is going to be drama drama central, but there's an upside. If there's anywhere for him to learn from other than the elite quarterbacks, because Dak's not, let's just let's just stamp that right there. Um, if there's anywhere else besides to learn from the top of the top, Dallas is a great place to learn not necessarily for the quarterbacks in front of him, although there is good experience to be taken from there, but he can also learn from all the playmakers he's going to be surrounded by, whether it's CeeDee Lamb, whether it's Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, Zeke, you know, even the backup players on there um, for Dallas Dallas offense, uh, combined with a great starting O-line, you know, Ben DiNucci's going to have great reps in practice, especially if he gets any first-team reps, um, just to just to see what he can do in practice, see what he can do in preseason. He's going to have a lot of fun. That's going to be a great place to do some learning at. Maybe not to get some experience, because um, he's going to be preseason only, especially with Dalton ahead of him. But uh, DiNucci really can he can get a lot of pointers and he can improve his craft. So when it's time for Dallas to make a quarterback decision, they can definitely keep him as a backup, or he may have enough, you know, if he shows enough, he might be able to go somewhere else and be a backup and have a little bit more competition somewhere else. But Danucci, really, that's that's a solid place for him to, to go, at least from learning with good players around you. Um, you know, there's something to be said about coming from an adversity standpoint and practicing with you know bad playmakers and having a chance to start and compete but that's really not going to be the team you're going to want to be on Dallas they have playoff potential maybe not deep into the playoffs but 
if they get out of their division and survive the Eagles, you know, they could get to the playoffs. Danucci can learn from that. He can see what it takes preparation-wise. He can see what it takes training-wise to get to the playoffs. That could be a fantastic place to learn from, maybe not to play for. But, you know, JMU fans, that's the positive outlook on it. Um, if you want him to start, well, ship him off to the Redskins and have him beat the Cowboys for uh, for drafting him. You know, that's what he can do. But moving on, Denver Broncos were the last one to take an FCS product. They took Derek Tuska. Again, apologies if that's not the correct pronunciation. Uh, DN64251 out of North Dakota State. Uh, this is a really good pickup for... Uh, Tuska, maybe not so for the Broncos. Um, there were other players that fit better than Tuska. No offense to him. Um, but the one worry is he's not going to get playing time. Um, similar to Danucci, there's players ahead of him. Um, if they play him as, if they play as a three-four, Tuska has some chance to make the starting, starting as a D end. He has some chance because they lost Eric Wolf. Um, they lost Adam Gotsis. So there you go. There's two starters gone. Congrats. You get to uh, fight over the scraps for D-end. But if he's going to play D-end in the traditional 4-3, um, which the Broncos don't run as often, thankfully, for him. Um, but he's really going to suffer because there's Vaughn Miller, there's Bradley Chubb. Um, even, they even blitz the linebackers a lot. They have sometimes a, a two-linebacker blitz from the outside edge. Um, so if Tuska can compete for DN specific in a 3-4, congrats, buddy. You got a shot. Um, I just don't know if he's big enough. 6-4, obviously, that's great. 251, you might have to bulk up. Um, I mean, he's he's got good strength. Um, he, does, he does the bull rush well, but... You know, in North Dakota State is a fantastic place to play college football. But when you go to the pro leagues, people are bigger and faster and meaner and stronger. And 251 worries me a little bit for a 3-4 defensive end. Um, I'm not trying to play backseat driver here, but I think it might be in his best interest to bulk up a little bit. Um, you know, put a little bit of pull a little bit more weight on that sled you know maybe he goes a little slower but he's not going to get pushed around as much if he's going for an outside edge type d end um i don't think it's going to happen von miller bradley chubb the broncos are in love with that combo and are not going to stray from it unless there's injuries which you know thankfully uh there hasn't been a whole lot of injuries in that front um, but that also works against Tuska. So if he goes for the D-line perspective of D-end, he's got a chance. And that's that's all it was taken for the FCS for draft picks. Uh, moving on, we waited around and tried to see, okay, who's going to get picked up for free agent contracts? Because there was a lot of talented players that deserve a chance that... FCS uh, fans just really had to wait and hope for because there's there's just so many talents especially uh, award finalists such as 
Dante Olson out of Montana, a linebacker. He got signed by the Eagles, um, and that's fantastic. But if you look at his college stats and you look at the game film of how dominant he is at not only pursuit of the ball carrier, but also awareness to find the ball carrier, uh, it's it's pretty unrivaled at the at the FCS level other than Dribble Cox, but he moved on to LSU and good luck to him. But from an FCS standpoint, outside of that, there was really only two that were, you know, the big time linebackers, and he was a big time linebacker. A lot of teams struggle with that position of keeping players healthy and keeping consistency of production up, and I think. I think uh, he could have provided for that that for a lot of teams, but we saw him go undrafted. That's a shame. But the fact is, if you go undrafted, it's not all bad. If you get picked up in the 6th and 7th round, fantastic. You get to say you were drafted. You get a little bit more money. You know, congrats. But you're not going to be the first choice on a team's pick especially if a team has a really narrowed version of who they want. Uh, at that point, they're going to have to go for who's the best overall on the board. Like, we can go for need and fit, but who's the best overall? And they see you, bam, picked. Congrats, you're drafted, kid. But 6th um, and 7th round picks do have do struggle to make the active roster at the end of August. Um, there's still a likely chance that you'll still make the practice squad, which is fine. You know, you're still in the NFL, still getting a paycheck. That's awesome. But free agents get a little bit of a unique opportunity. Sure, you're going to get a lot less money. That That is a bummer. But the, the opportunity of getting to choose where you want to play choose which phone call which offer fits you the best really is an understated power um, because you may not get a lot you you may only get one free agent phone call and you gotta choose do I want to give it a shot there or wait till next year but if you get a lot of calls let's say four or five maybe six you can choose based off, off of money you can choose based off of location Heck, you can even choose between, you know, which team you like better or which team you think position and battle-wise you might actually have a chance of, you know, making the active roster. So there is an, an understated power that comes with being a free agent. So hopefully that works out for Dante Olsen. Um, another highlight that really um, kind of got lost in the sauce was uh, James Robinson. He's out of Illinois State running back, and without him, Illinois State would have done a lot worse last year. They they really relied on him because he would, um, was unstoppable at the, at the FCS level. Now, that doesn't always transfer over to the pro level, but when you look at it and you look at how someone was so much of a team player, and carried them so far you really got to wonder okay that could transfer over to our team that could be great if somebody gets hurt if somebody you know isn't producing contract conflict 
whatever it may be. Um, but James Robinson really carried um, Illinois State through the playoffs. They knocked off SEMO. They knocked off Central Arkansas. And, you know, it was even a, a battle at North Dakota State. The team that, that won it all, they lost 3-9. to nine Because James Robinson was just such an impact player. Looking at other players around the league, um, there's a, a great list on heroesport.com. If you look up 2020 NFL Draft Free Agency Tracker, you can see a host of different FCS players who got a chance. Um, there were some surprises, but also big-time players who really made a difference for their team, like James Robinson. He went to the Jaguars. Uh, Bryce Sterk, defensive end out of Montana State. He's going to get a chance to play a little bit of a flex. Um, they signed him with not only tight end, um, not only defensive end, but they're also looking at him as a tight end because he's he's so big and um, they liked what they saw. Now, some of the players that didn't get a chance, was this affected by not having a pro day? Was this scouts being too safe? General managers just scared of the the competition factor and just didn't think FCS players played a hard enough strength of schedule, played hard enough opponents. Um, it's really a mystery, and at this point, it doesn't matter. It just matters that these players who got a chance in the free agency, that they try their best and that they have a preseason, hopefully, uh, hopefully we have that, where they can show off their talents. Another interesting one where uh, there's been speculation of what position he's going to play um, is uh, Charlie Tampeo. He's could be a, a could be a running back, could be a tight end, fullback. Um, there's really been a lot of lot of debate on that, and he's going to go down and join Danucci down in Dallas. Looking at other ones, um, they made a difference. Uh, Alex Taylor, uh, offensive ta tackle out of South Carolina State, he was actually on ESPN's positional positional rankings, and there was consistently players getting picked below him, and he he didn't get it drafted, which was kind of a shocker as how many teams need. An offensive tackle or just an offensive lineman in general that was a little bit of a shocker and a little bit of one of those slaps in the face to the FCS of wow there's a talented player right there and people are just nose diving making those reach picks trying to just force a good fit over overall talent but Alex Taylor uh, thankfully is gonna get a chance with the Browns hopefully he can go over there and make an impact on their coaching staff looking through the rest of these there's a lot of talented players and some surprises who actually got a chance um, whether it would be due to their stats or due to just an overall um, good fit with that team uh, looking through other notable ones 
thankfully there's there's quite a bit of a, a list here. Um, Case Cookus, a huge quarterback out of uh, Northern Arizona, had tons of stats there. He's going to get a chance with the Giants, and I think that's one of the best fits in all of the free agent signings because the Giants are just terrible at quarterback. Um, Eli Manning was, was great, but he's since departed, and Daniel Jones doesn't doesn't look amazing. So if there's somebody who can give them more doubts about Daniel Jones, uh, Case Cookus has a good chance there. He's very talented and knows how to rack up as many yards as possible. Uh, two other notable ones. Brandon Polk, receiver, out of James Madison. He's going to the Rams. That could be a pretty good fit. And then uh, John Daka, outside lamp linebacker for the Dukes. He's going to the Ravens. And we've got Dylan Stapleton, even with all of his drama, trouble, legal trouble, however you want to phrase his uh, suspension senior year. Um, he's getting picked up as a tight end for the Texans. And Rondell Carter. I really like this one, especially since Dallas has so much potential, but one of the positions that hurts them the most, um, other than Demarcus Lawrence, is defensive end. They don't really have a power player to stick on the other side of him to really give that, that extra two-sided pressure. I think Rondell Carter could make a big difference if he actually gets a chance preseason-wise to prove it. Now, looking at our friends up north, the Canadian Football League, they had their draft just a week or so ago, and there was a few FCS players that got picked up there. On average, there's about three to five players that go from the um, from the FCS up, up north, and they have some different rules up there. So um, with the CFL, they have to have a certain number of native players and a certain number of uh, non-native players. That way it keeps the integrity of the Canadian Football League and doesn't just become a uh, farm league for the NFL. So looking at who got drafted there, round one, pick three overall to the Calgary Stampeders. We had Isaac Adamy Berglund, Sorry, I butchered that one. Defensive end out of southeastern Louisiana. Round one, pick eight to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Mason Bennett, defensive end out of North Dakota. Round two, pick one to the Ottawa Red Blacks. We had Michael Hoecht, D-line out of Brown. Round three, pick four. To the Edmonton Eskimos, Malik Tyne, linebacker out of Townsend. Round six, pick four, also to the Edmonton Eskimos, was Chris Gangarosa, off offensive line out of Wagner. Now the CFL, they only have eight rounds, and there's about eight picks per round, so give or take due to... Uh, suspensions or due to um, comp compensatory picks 
Uh, there's about 73 players that got drafted this year, and to have five from the FCS is relatively good, especially with that uh, native policy that they have in the CFL. So overall, a lot of FCS players got a lot of love, but at the end of the day, there's still some that didn't get a didn't get a call, and it's really a shame with this pandemic. We don't know how preseason will go. We don't know how much of a possibility those FCS products are going to get a chance or if it's going to revert back to the power players and, you know, all the spotlight's going to be on on the big names. But overall, the players who did get drafted, congrats to you. We hope to see you as the next Tariq Cohen, the next Darius Lennard. You know, we want to see... FCS products flourish. If there's any FCS products you thought should have gotten a chance, go ahead and shoot us a message at College Sports Journal and we'll try to put together a list of that. As we looked at the NFL draft from an FCS perspective. Gonna go ahead and sign off. Hope to see you at the collegesportsjournal.com.